and welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers lost again to Purdue, 57-49, in a game where the Hoosiers basically just lost their minds for 10 minutes in the middle of the game at the end of the first half and to start the second half. Uh, and just got completely punked by Purdue, out physicaled during that stretch, uh, outplayed, you know, and Purdue didn't even really make a ton of shots during that stretch. Indiana just totally lost their minds offensively, uh, could not handle Purdue's pressure defense, could not make uh, open looks, could not get into their offense. And I mean, it was just a black hole in the middle of this game that erased all of the good work that Indiana did at the very beginning of the game that they did coming back because the deficit was just too much uh, to overcome, and Purdue ends up winning the game 57-49. to 49. I don't even want to know how many straight wins this is for Purdue. I just know that I'm sick and tired of losing to Purdue, uh, and you know this game certainly didn't make me feel any better about that. The loss drops Indiana to 18-10 and 10 on the season, 8-9 and nine in conference play. Uh, still in fine position for the NCAA tournament, uh, but on a night when you lose to your arch rival, we can keep those thoughts far away uh, and just uh, try to talk about what went wrong in this one. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and Andy Bottoms. We will break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. And let's start this show the way we start every show, and that is with our banner moment. And you know, for the banner moment, I'm going back to about the 3.30 mark in the second half. And that is when Race Thompson got a rebound off of a Rob Finnessy miss and scored. That made it 48-42, to 42, which is the closest that Indiana had been in a long time. And boy, you know, early in the second half when Indiana was just getting run out of the building. And I think at one point Purdue led by 18 maybe. I think that might have been their biggest lead. You know, if you had said that Indiana would have, you know, been within six, I think everybody would have thought you were crazy. Just, you know, given how Indiana has collapsed in some games against Purdue and certainly in you know in some road games this season uh, but to Indiana's credit they stuck with it you know they didn't execute well tonight they didn't really play well they didn't make the adjustments they needed to but unlike what we've seen from this team in other games they stuck with it they stuck together and they played hard and Race Thompson was the best player on the floor, you know, and that stretch for him where he got that rebound bucket on the possession before uh, Rob dumped the ball down into him and he scored. It was a little 4-0 run for him. And it wasn't just the offense. You know, on defense, he was the guy that was defending Travion Williams the best, making him work the hardest. Uh, he was rebounding well. He was getting steals and blocks for the game. Race had six points, eight rebounds, two steals, two blocks. It was you know, the second straight game where he was the best player on the floor uh, for Indiana. And so certainly some positives that you can take from that. And, you know, again, overall, while there's not much that you're going to take positive from another loss, because, you know, this is not a great Purdue team. This Indiana team had been playing better. And I think we could have reasonably expected a much better performance than this. At least the fact that they stuck with it in the second half, came back and made this a game down the stretch, that is a sign of progress for this team for what they've done on the road. And so, you know, there's going to be a lot of negative talk on this show because that's what happens when you lose to Purdue. But I do think it's at least important to show that maybe that's a sign of progress. It'll only matter if they can carry it into Illinois and actually get a win on the road uh, because you don't get any extra credit, you know, for just keeping it closer. But that is better than what this team has done on the road and a big part of the reason they were able to do it is because Race Thompson brought the toughness and brought some of that, you know, burgeoning ability that we've been seeing from him. And so that was on a dark night, that was a bright spot for Indiana. 
All right, our banner moment tonight, as always, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, a company that was founded by an IU grad that remains based in Indianapolis. I know that Connor and the guys were in Mackey Arena tonight taking this game in. I wish that it had been uh, a better performance for them to see. And while they do have Purdue shirts, of course we know, you know, they're IU, uh, you know, through and through. That was their first school. And the reason why you should go to homefieldapparel.com and shop for their gear. I mean, yes, you want to support Connor. You want to support IU grads and IU businesses. But most importantly, their gear is incredibly comfortable. So whether you're going to get a T-shirt or a long sleeve tee or a crew neck sweater or a hoodie, it's it's just the most comfortable gear that you can own. Andy is wearing his uh, assembly call uh, hoodie right now. So at least while you know he's not feeling good about the game, at least his body is comfortable. You know, which is at least something uh, for him right now. And you know they've got the unique logo, so they've got our assembly call gear there. But more importantly than that, they've got the Bison logo. They've got the Shoes logo. They've got the Indiana Champions T-shirt, a T-shirt that you won't see uh, over on the Purdue site, of course. Um, But comfortable. It's unique. It's the best IU gear that you're going to find around. That's why you need to go to homefieldapparel.com. And remember, because you're a member of the Assembly Call audience, you get a massive discount when you order at homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code ASSEMBLY20 at checkout to get 20% off your entire order. That's ASSEMBLY20. For 20% off your entire order, go to homefieldapparel.com today and get the most unique and comfortable IU apparel anywhere. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And we will start with Andy Bottoms. Andy, your bottoms line on this Indiana defeat. Uh, Just so many different ways to go here. Like you said, there was just a black hole in the middle of the game. IU really came out intent on getting the ball into the post as they have been. Uh, in these last couple games, they've been really successful. We got six early points in the paint and ended up with 20 for the game and, and got a lot of the rest of those late in the game. There was just a huge stretch in the middle of the game where they couldn't get the ball inside. Part of that was their inability to knock down shots to pull Purdue's defense away. Part of that was just not being uh, as as dead set on getting the ball into the paint and and really struggled from there. Took you know Ended up taking way too many three-pointers got open looks and were missing them by a mile in the first half. Uh, and and like you said, y- you want to credit them for really hanging around because when it got to be 16, I was like, this is, this is over. And the sad part was that really to start the second half, other than they gave up baskets on the first two possessions and then Purdue only scored once on the next 10 possessions. And I was only able to trim three points off the lead because they just couldn't score. Uh, so just just lots of missed opportunities, I guess, is what this feels like. There were stretches of the game where IU got Purdue to take the shots that IU wanted it to take. And every time Matt Painter called a timeout or they came out of a timeout, Purdue got the ball into Travion Williams and he scored almost every single time. They were able to isolate him inside in ways that IU was not able to isolate uh, Trace or any really any of the post players and just had a guy that they could go to when they needed a big basket. Uh, I, I, you know, you credit that to coaching, you credit that to, to Travion Williams and, and the spacing that they had. I mean, they were just getting guys just clearing everything out on one side for him. And IU just was not able, uh, to get any of those kinds of clean looks. And quite honestly, the physicality of the game, IU really shrunk from that for long stretches of the game and just seemed in generally intimidated, uh, and, and thus missed shots that were good shots in the lane early in the second half that they just didn't really even come close to making. Uh, and I think that really just wore on them. And, and eventually they did respond to that. But uh, for me, this was just a missed opportunity game. Everything was really, was really there uh, in terms of how IU defended and, and things like that, but just too many, too many silly plays from 
upperclassmen who should know better uh, at this point, but I don't know that anybody who's listening to the show and following this team closely can truly be all that surprised by it. And I'm sure we'll get into all that. So I'll, uh, I'll just wrap it at that. Coach, it's Tonsoni time. What's on your mind? You know, um, this was a disappointing offensive effort, and there were moments of decent, uh, you know, some bad defensive uh, performance. Uh, but, but I'm going to try to say this: um, going into the game playing at Purdue is, is tough. I know they've lost some games uh, at home this year, but that that place is a very tough place to play. And, and what I thought was the positive from my vantage point is kind of what you said earlier in uh, about Indiana. Normally, in these situations, we get beat 2025. 20, and two things might have to travel if Indiana's going to have a successful run. One, they're going to have to mentally handle adversity a little bit better, and I think they took a step in the right direction uh, by by keeping, uh, you know, keep going. Uh, they didn't get beat by 25, which they really could have. The second thing is defense travels. And, and the last three or four games, there's been a better defensive effort. In fact, Indiana wasted a great defensive effort tonight because Purdue, I thought Purdue was going to hit a lot of threes. I Seen him uh, from Delphi Bracketology at Mackey just go crazy shooting the three. And Indiana did a great job guarding the three. Not so well with Williams uh, down low. But I, I did think that it was a point eight nine eight points per possession, something like that. We'll find out with the final stats. That is what's going to be needed to win at Illinois. That's what's going to be needed to win the last two home games. That's what's going to be needed to win in the tournament setting. So in a, a horrible, ugly offensive performance, poor guard play, all of that, I'm going to hang my hat on those two things because you always look for what can carry on uh, after after a tough loss instead of always just pointing out, which we will do, the negatives here. But we wasted a, a, a pretty good defensive effort tonight. And, and just uh, my hope then is this is three games in a row where uh, I think in, in the Iowa game, you throw that in four out of the last five, where uh, we've been in the game, we've competed, we've done some things defensively that we needed to do, and then and we didn't quit. Um, I know that's just baby steps, and we should be beyond that at this point. I understand that, but it is what it is. Uh, and the guard play, the guard play was just really, really bad tonight, uh, from turnovers that led to home run plays to bad post feeds to uh, missing shots, and, and no team is going to play well with uh, bad guard play. And, and we've just had that uh, way, way too much, and we are who we are. So uh, move forward, get the next one at Illinois, and um, you know, see what we can do in the Big Ten tournament. You know, there are obviously lots of factors when you lose a game like this, but I, I think you know we all would have agreed coming into this game that a big key for Indiana, as it has been the last two games, would be getting Trace Jackson Davis involved. Like He has to be the, the focal point, and it's not always how many shots he makes. You know, as we saw against Penn State, sometimes it's about how many shots he takes. And just being aggressive and being that focal point of the offense can really be key for Indiana. He's a guy, I think he's averaging somewhere close to 14 points a game. He scored six. We lost by eight. Now, I'm not saying that's exactly why we lost. But more important than that, Trace only took seven shots tonight. And shoot, you know, three, four, five of those had to come at the, you know, before the first TV timeout. When Indiana was up six to two, and I thought playing really, really well. I mean, you know, for a while that was going to be my unironic banner moment, which is the way Indiana started this game, because you know a lot of the, the the ways that Purdue has blitzed teams is they've come out and just killed them from the opening tip. And I really thought Indiana came out with a good game plan. They got the ball inside. They weren't making shots, but they looked you know relatively poised, you know, at the beginning of the game, and then that all disappeared. And, you know, so to me, you know, two of the biggest issues tonight, you know, one is just Trace being a freshman, not being able to 
you know, handle kind of the physicality and maybe the emotion of the game or whatever it was, but just getting lost in the game. He just got lost in the game. You know, when he came through late, and I think one of the buckets that he made late was right there at the very end, but he was just a non-factor. And this Indiana team is not built to win when he's a non-factor. But on the flip side, you know, Purdue really sold out, Andy, to stop him. I mean, they were sending a doubler almost every time. They were really making it difficult on him. And that meant someone was going to have to step up and make some shots and try to soften up the defense and free things up a little bit. Or the coaching staff was going to have to get more creative in how they got him involved. Neither of those things happened. So I put part of it on Trace, you know, for just he's got to be more active and visible in 30 minutes on the court. But at the same time, against a really good defense, he's not going to be able to do it all himself. But that inability for Trace and for Indiana to get him involved and have him be the focal point, that to me is the biggest reason why they weren't able to get anything going offensively. And when that wasn't there, again, the team, I mean, they literally lost their minds for a part of the game. Like it just looked like it was the first time they were all playing basketball together. And something's got to happen. Guards have to step up and make shots. Archie's got to adjust something, you know, or Trace just has to become a beast or hopefully all of those things to snap Indiana out of those funks. Tonight, none of them happened. And, you know, that to me is why that big black hole occurred in the middle of the game. And Indiana's just not talented enough overall, doesn't have enough shot makers to compensate for that on most nights. Certainly not tonight. Yeah, I mean, Trace scored three points he hit a free throw coming out of the uh the very first uh media timeout so he made a free throw at the fifteen fifty four mark of the first half and he didn't score again until within the last minute or two minutes of the game and i look back through he got four shots in about the first six six minutes and change and ended up taking you know three the whole rest of the the whole rest of the way so yeah i think that was you know we, we talk about this there was some decent passing early on between he and, and brunk uh, in the post where if they could get him the ball, the guy diagonal on the other side of the lane was open almost every time. I think race found uh, somebody for a basket out of a double team in that scenario uh, as well. And so I thought they even passed the ball reasonably well out of the post to start with, but that really became uh, a struggle as it went on. And, and, and you go back to not having enough guys that can really space the floor when you're playing Justin out there, when you're playing Brunk, you know, there's just no place for him to operate, Purdue's just packing in, in the paint. There's no place to go. And IU was getting good shots in the lane. And like I said, I mean, they just missed him by a mile. Yeah. Um, it, it was, we were joking at my house whether they had like greased up the ball somehow because the ball's just flying out of everybody's hands early in the game. And then just what was going on with the shooting was... Steve Lavin was clear. There was corn on the cob at the pregame meal. He, he made that point <laughs> okay. over and over. It was butter. Oh, I, I think I was not listening to him uh, even at that point. But um, yeah, I mean, they got good shots. And, and at that point, I, I thought IU just continue, just got tighter and tighter as things went uh, in terms of being able to take those shots, became hesitant in some cases to take them. Uh, some guys probably were, were not hesitant enough uh, to take them because you didn't see a whole lot of opportunities for guys to repost and try to get things back inside. Um, just, just they were so adamant and so... Uh, Adam is really the best word I can think of these last couple games about really pounding the ball inside. And um, again, you give credit to me. They were really physical. And I thought IU backed down from that for long stretches of the game. It just wasn't there. And I think Archie was pretty frustrated with trace defensively at times as well. It seemed like um, toward the end, you know, letting Williams drive on him a little bit, you know, he pushed him out further, but then, uh, you know, gave up a basket going to the, going to the hoop. Uh, I just thought he did kind of get lost, as you said, and, and struggled to find really find a way 
to get himself involved, whether that was on the offensive glass or, or some other way. I think that's where race really had an impact was he was just really active on the offensive glass. He created shots for himself in, in some of the cases or, or created shots for others by, uh, by getting on the boards. Yeah. I mean, look, when, when you're relying on a freshman to be your best player and when your guards in tough environments just can't make shots and can't make good decisions, you are going to be an inconsistent team. And that's just, that's what we are. And, you know, we saw it tonight. Um, you know, coach, the other thing, and I want to get your thoughts on trace too, but I, I really thought the other thing that, that came out because there were some good looks like Indiana, I mean, just bricked some really good looks. And this is where, you know, the guard, like to me, that really shows a couple things. It's a lack of mental toughness and a lack of fundamentals. Because when you're in a tough environment against a tough defense, those are the two things that allow you to make shots and still make plays, even when things are tough. And those two things failed Indiana's guards tonight, especially when it came to shooting. They were rushing. You know, the fundamentals weren't there. Rob hesitated on a few of them. When he just played in the second half, just drove and shot that pull up, he looked like a different offensive player. But that's just not the guy that we saw for most of the game. And that, you know, that's not something that is going to get better between now and the end of the season. That's something that takes off seasons and other recruiting classes to improve, you know, and it just Indiana's going to kind of live and die with that for the rest of the season. Yeah. And what, what happens is when you get in tough environments and tough situations, you revert back to your training and, and you know, these, these guards are not elite guards. Uh, Rob has the potential to become one. Um, but I will say, tell you, Xavier Simpson and Cassius Winston are a lot better as seniors than they were as sophomores. He's not at that level yet. And, and the pressure and the atmosphere got to him in the first half and he found it in the second half. So he improved within the game. That is a positive. Yes. Uh, Al Durham is not a ball handler and, and his, his turnover at 25, 20 was just really bad. He dribbled in out of control and the ball went to the other end, 27, 20. And that kind of set the tone for the start of the second half. And, and so I think these guards, everyone, uh, I think from the guard position just got into an environment tonight where you were right. They got out of their mind. They, they didn't do the simple things. And they got they got rushed and they got sped up and they they kind of just reverted back to who they are, which is average at best kind of guards. Uh, we had foul trouble and Devonte had to end the the half at, as a point guard, and we all know that he's better uh, when he's hitting shots and playing the two guard, not running running the offense. So that was a problem in the in the last TV timeout when it was a three point game and it was really important for Indiana to try to keep it three to four to five going into the second half and ended up nine because the guard play was so bad and you're right it is fundamentals but when it's that pressure that tournament pressure that uh, that game pressure playing at Mackey uh, people do lose their focus and or lose their mind as you said and revert back to where they are and that's where better talent uh, that's where uh, better experienced players, uh, should eventually not be as affected as they, they were tonight. And yet, with that, we saw some improvement within the game from Finnessy. So, bad guard play, uh, bad decision-making, bad execution. As far as the post, uh, they were just – they were blo- what do we call blocks and elbows. They were playing in the paint defense until uh, a man caught the ball in the perimeter and then Purdue would close out. And we've seen that for two years now with, with the lack of good guard play and good shooting, people are just daring Indiana to play inside. Um, I mean, from the outside and when you're hitting at home, you, you can beat anybody, uh, when you're not hitting and you're turning the ball over from the guard play, then it becomes even tougher 
on on the post players. And TJD let it get to him and, and wasn't as physical and wasn't as aggressive down the stretch. And so this was an offensive mess tonight. Uh, just an offensive execution mess. Some by design by Archie. I think, you know, is he, he typically, when posts get double, try to have three shooters on the outside. Well, we don't have three shooters, so maybe you need to dive someone to the front of the rim uh, to take away that help side or lift the post to the front, um, to the to the elbow. Uh, some action there in the lane to help that double team as you back off. So they're all the way around. It's just an offensive mess. Again, I'm going to go back. I'm a defensive guy. We stayed in the game because uh, we guarded for the most part, and, and I just I'm going to be positive with that. That uh, that'll win us a couple games down the stretch, and we'll be in the NCAA tournament. Andy, did you want to make a final point there? Well, I, just the guard play. Coach alluded to that at the end of the half, uh, at the end of the first half. You know, you got Rob on the sideline with two fouls. You got Al with two fouls, and you're playing Devontae and Armand. And despite that, it's 1918. You've got the ball, Devontae ends up double dribbling, but it was because he was just casual, like thinking he was going to make an entry pass and then he gets lean in one way, does that. I mean, that started a, a sequence of the last six possessions for each team. IU had four turnovers out of the final six possessions, scored once on a pair of Al Durham free throws that were kind of lucky in a sense, where Purdue fouled him off a dribble handoff and Purdue scored on five of their last six possessions, all on uh, four of them on layups or dunks, the other on two free throws. I mean, that was ultimately the game right there. It was a little bit like the game in Bloomington where it just got blown open at the end of the half. Uh, and then despite that, like I said, Purdue scores the first five points of the second half and then you know proceeds to do nothing uh, while IU tries to do even less in that scenario. But you just you get out of there with with those guys on the bench. Rob was the only guard who really felt even remotely under control uh, at any point during the game. And, and Archie opted to bring Al back in with two fouls it, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, but but would you rather have brought the guy back in who was actually steadying things as opposed to the one who's going to get sped back up? And particularly that last possession where the risk of him fouling with the ball with 23 seconds left is minimal. I mean, Bo Borowski was doing the game, so you can't say that the risk was, was not there at all. Um, but at that point, do you put him back in? Because Al, you know, Eastern is riding him up the court, sure. Um, but loses control was there, of the was ball there a and, dead ball? Was there a dead ball? I, the reason that he didn't put him in is because Rob's more valuable of the two. You want him not to pick up the third. If someone picks up the third, it's L. So, so that's yeah. the he only has two fouls. Maybe just play your best player when a game is teetering on the brink on the road. I hate that. This, this is terrible this is really decision. What I was doing, was play your to best player. To, to get I can't. I can't stand it for that long. <laughs> that kind of thinking loses you games on the road. And that's what happened. No gel Eastern knew he was going to get that steal from Al Durham. So, you know, look, if you're going to play the guy that has two fouls, that isn't a good ball handler, <laughs> play Rob because saving him did nothing. I hate that. I, I, I hear God. you and Merritt, bad example, Jared, but Justin Smith had two fouls and was sitting in, and Maryland puts him in, and in 10 seconds he picks up his third with 3.55 to go in the first half. Now, they did end up coming back and winning, so that that, that would probably prove your point. But he went That's going to happen every now and then. Up. That's baked into yeah. the decision-making. But All you right. lose more time auto-benching guys in the first half than – I need a break. Yeah. Anyway, my point, my point was only – was not to do that, but was really that the guard play at the end of the first half is what ultimately I felt like lost in the game or dug them a hole that they couldn't get out of. So just a secondary benefit that I teed Jared up for his uh, auto-benching rant but, there. So. 
but, but guys, also, I am so I mean, sick for... and tired of losing <laughs> to Purdue. I am God. Yeah. I'm tired of it. I really am. It's got me on tilt tonight. Sorry, Rob started the second half and I and gave up seven zero run too. So it wasn't yeah. like Rob was going to come in and, no. and necessarily. And I love Rob, and I think Rob's our best guard. But Rob was on the court during the start of the second half, and Indiana got down, you know, seven zero to look, start the half too. So look, there's no guarantee. Our guards were bad no matter what. Well, and, tonight. and and here's the thing, you know, this is now like the second or third time in recent shows where there has been an obvious point where you put Rob on the court, and Archie hasn't done it, and. You know, which leads me to wonder if Archie just doesn't fully trust Rob because we keep talking like, why wasn't Rob on the court? Well, I, I, maybe the coach made the choice for other reasons because he thought the other guys could do a better job, you know, because Rob wasn't doing much in the first half. So I don't know. But I, I mean, I would have had him out might there. Might be some truth. There might and, be some truth to that. And if the reasoning to not have him out there was the two fouls, then you just, my head will just explode. All right. <laughs> let's go to the next segment. <clears throat> All right. Uh, here, coming up as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's eight-point loss to Purdue, which I'm clearly handling very well, I will point out tonight's meaningful moments that you might have missed. Then we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. You are listening to the Assembly Call. Stick with us. Hi, this is James Blackman Jr. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosier. Thank you, James. You are listening to The Assembly Call IU postgame show. I am Jared Morris here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and Andy Bottoms. We are breaking down Indiana's eight-point loss to Purdue. It is time for tonight's meaningful moments that you might have missed, you know, and We've mentioned a few of these already, you know, because I was going to talk about the end of that first half, which again, if you know, and Andy, you mentioned this, if you think back to that first Indiana Purdue game, that's where the game got out of hand for Indiana. And, you know, obviously the moment that really sticks out is Al Durham just getting absolutely punked by no gel Eastern and whether there's a foul or not, like Al, Al has to be better there. You know, you have to be able to rely on an upperclassman in a situation like that. And that's, you know, look, that's not Al's strength. But he still has to find a way to not turn that ball over and you know give up a layup going the other way. Um, and what is really disappointing to me in these games, you know, look, Purdue has had better teams at certain points in recent history, and better teams are going to beat our teams, and that's fine. But there have been games and stretches in games where they just absolutely punk us. With they're more physically tough, they're more mentally tough, they execute better. And they just literally bludgeon us on the court for like eight to 10 minutes. And, and those, that's the reason why they win the game. And that's what we saw tonight. And, you know, so yes, you know, credit to the guys for coming back and all of that. But until we can get to the point where we can match them, you know, tough for tough and play for play and, and, and be able to not wilt from those moments, we're going to keep losing these games on the road like we have. And that's just something that the program isn't at that point yet. You know, Purdue has a tougher program. They have a better culture than us right now. And it's only Archie's third year. I'm not saying, you know, he definitely should be there. But, you know, I certainly think you should get at least one win over Purdue in three seasons. So that, you know, continues to hang like an albatross around his neck. But that, that's just my biggest frustration coming out of a game like this is, you know, even with some of these positives that we're talking about, there was a stretch for 10 minutes where Purdue just absolutely wanted everything more and was tougher. And that's just really hard to, to, to handle. 
And, you know, one play that I have to point out because it just made me slap my head in in dismay. And, you know, it leads to a larger point about a guy like Al Durham who has, as a junior, has to be better in games like this. Like, you just have to get more than you got from Al Durham on a night like tonight. There was a play at the 16-minute, 45-second mark in the second half, Coach, where he and Joey Brunk were out on the perimeter. I think Al was guarding Hunter, and there was another guard out there. But, you know, they're about to get it kind of settled because I think they did a little dribble handoff, and Al's about to get, you know, about to take Hunter, and he switched Joey Brunk onto Eric Hunter on the perimeter. So I don't know if he didn't see who it was or what was happening, but it was maybe the worst example of defensive communication and decision-making of the season because Eric Hunter predictably took Joey Brunk to the lane. And by the way, Eric Hunter, uh, for the second straight game, was the best guard on the floor. He had 17 points, seven rebounds uh, for Purdue tonight. Um, and that's just not going to cut it. So anyway, that, you know, coach, when I saw that, I mean, it just, that that's either a sign that you're not locked in, that you're afraid of guarding. Like, I don't know what it was, but it, it was just another example of Indiana totally losing their minds, um, you know, during that stretch when this game was lost. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to tell you, but I, I, I would imagine that's not strategy to switch Joey Brunk onto, onto Hunter. Um, <laughs> that that's, those, those are one of those where, the assistant coach gets yelled at by the head coach. If you got the, you know, if you got the scout, like what, what are you doing? What did you teach those guys down there? It's always the assistant's coach, uh, coach's fault. Um, when, when things like that happen, because it's just not, it just makes no sense. And, and again, that's, that's what happens, um, on the road. That's what happens. And you're absolutely right. It is a toughness issue. And we've talked about that over and over again. And I know some people think that you should be able to coach coach that out of people. Um, and, and if that's the case, then it hasn't been done. But I also know that uh, if you're not as mentally and physically tough as a player, uh, that only shows up um, 50-50 at best at, at times. And when you go into an environment um, as was tonight, that's when, the, that's when the lack of toughness sometimes shows. And and again, maybe I'm being Mr. Positive tonight. And um, again, I thought it was a lot less than than what we've seen on the road. You know, like the quit job at, at Michigan, it was a lot less. So I, I think they're coming around. It, it just wasn't good enough tonight, obviously, because um, that ten minute out of mind segment that you keep repeating. It, it was true analysis, but um, it's funny how sometimes when things happen in a game colors your perception. Cause if that had been the final 10 minutes of the game, we might have a different tone, you know, an, yeah, an even more um, different tone on the show, but you know, so um, there's, and, and, and here's the other thing, Jared, where, where I think you're absolutely right. It's, it's, it was a big segment for the team, but it's also small segments for certain players. Yeah. Uh, whether it be a bad trip offensively, then a, a hustle down, a missed shot, fall down. I think Justin Smith had one. Then he comes down and he's angry and he files someone on a rebound instead of just going mm. for the rebound. It that was is a small segments. Yeah. It is small segments like that that end up hurting when when whatever it ended up. You have four possessions like that on offense and four on defense. That that's a problem, Andy. What uh what meaningful moment stood out to you tonight? Um, I, well, this was in this was in that sequence, but it was you know basically you, you come in or you come out of the locker room after that and immediately give up an offensive rebound on the very first possession of the second half that led to uh, Boudreaux going to the line for a couple of free throws. Um, there was another sequence where 
Uh, Rob had hit the had had that drive, hit a three. You know, race gets a nice block. IU just can't corral the ball, and they gave up a putback. Um, just just little things like that, where like one or two plays that might really put you over the edge could could matter. And and like I said, Purdue uh, when IU made that that little run where Rob scored those. Um, those five points in a row they took a timeout they immediately came back out they got four they got four straight buckets uh coming out of that one was on that putback that was the first one but they got you know the the next three all right inside just really like when IU was was doing well defensively they were getting Purdue to settle for threes which they did not shoot well but it felt like whenever Purdue really buckled down and wanted to get the ball inside they could uh IU really struggled with Trayvon Williams I don't race had a couple good possessions on him i i think he probably did as well on him as anybody did not even uh, close yeah. in, in there and uh thought the other guys all really struggled in one way or another and um so those were some of the those are some of the moments i, I do think it, probably a good time as any to talk substitutions i mean there are times felt early in the game made substitutions that took guys out after playing well at the beginning there was one point where they had five reserves on the floor at the same time in the first half um just thought that really threw off some of the rhythm. You start Brunk again in the second half, like rinse, repeat on that, everybody's thoughts. But uh, I just thought there were some coaching things. There was some dissension with Archie and Bruiser. Coach talked about, uh, that's what get your assistant coach yelled at. Well, something got him yelled at tonight for for sure. I don't think it was necessarily that um, that part of the scout. But yeah, I just thought some of the the coaching decisions were head scratching. We talked about the, I'm, I this is not an avenue for you to go back into your uh, auto benching thing but i just thought some of the substitution patterns and lineups were uh were, were questionable even when they weren't driven by foul trouble yeah i mean i even thought that at the very end of the game when we're down by seven we know we need to take a three-pointer like we know it and we're still playing lineups with only two shooters and i get the jokes haha we have more than two shooters yeah we do like at least you know put rob Devonte, al i don't know armand hit a three jerome was you know not good at all tonight, but maybe throw him out there. At least give yourself four guys around the perimeter who could all make one because what happens is we ended up wasting time waiting for Devontae to run around a whole bunch of screens because we only had one option. And you know you're going to foul, so you can do a defensive substitution. Like, that made no sense to me at all. Here's a... Here's here's what we, we as coaches try to do. Um, and so I'll just... I don't know what got into me today about being the positive one. Um, but... What you try to do sometimes in games like this in hostile environments is get people in, get their feet wet, and then get them back out uh, as opposed to waiting. Uh, and and you do a little more mass substitution, I, and that didn't work tonight. That was a bad ended up being a bad decision by Archie at the first time out, uh, and then shortly after that to have the five subs in the game because I thought the bench was not ready to play. And so yeah. I'm sure there was a re- what, what I'll tell people, and, and you and it, it ended up not working, and it was a bad decision. But there was a there was a reason why he went to the bench early in an environment like this to maybe see who was coming and playing. Uh, we we do that a lot. We want to see of our eight guys who who's locked in early and who's ready to play in this game. And minutes change after that first minute because you can, in most situations, you can afford a, a run into first quarter or the first eight minutes and then uh, adjust later. But I did. I I was not 
pleased with um, the bench there at the first half. I also thought he went with Joey a little too long. Uh, Joey didn't come out and race didn't enter the game until the 12-minute mark. And race, to me, um, just has to play 25 to 30 minutes. And, Jared, you've mentioned maybe it's a conditioning thing. Uh, you know, some of these excuses are getting old, to be honest with you. I've been a defender of Archie Miller and defender of the program. Come on, it's the end of the year. you got to play your dudes. Uh, and, and, you know, so uh, – I certainly I, I think, think he can handle more than 21. That's yeah, I, I think he's got to get 25 to 30 minutes. He just brings an energy. I thought he was one of our better players tonight. Might not have been statistically. Uh, so I, I just think sometimes uh, I think Archie tries to play too many people. Uh, that, that is an honest criticism for me. He tries to get everyone in the flow, try to keep everyone happy. And you know what? you got to play your dudes. And some nights it's this group, and other nights it's this group. And if players can't handle it, then they need to leave the program. Uh, that. I just think you you look at box scores, guys, and there's a lot of teams that are playing eight guys, and their eighth guy is only getting seven or eight minutes. Uh, and, and at this point of the season, in a lot of programs, <clears throat> they're not playing ten or eleven guys. And, and I know why you do it. You do it because you believe all of them are somewhat equal, and they can produce, and you want to keep everyone in the locker room happy. But um, you know, tonight I thought I thought some of the some of the rotations and minutes were a little bit. Um, little bit off and then uh, Devonte played too much too but when you're down 17 or something you got to hope for a Devonte miracle like he gets hot and throws in four in a row so you almost gotta you almost gotta throw him out there because he's the one who can just pop uh, I know that doesn't make a lot of sense but sometimes you just gotta if you need offense you got to go with the guy who can bring offense and live live with that decision so yeah. there's reasons behind every substitution tonight it looked like uh, the the good decisions were a lot of a lot less than the, the bad decisions, or at least the decisions were well-grounded. They just didn't turn out as well as you would hope um, at, from the coaching. I mean, look, it's hard. I thought Devontae played very poorly in the first half and was our best guard. <laughs> you know, like that's that's the hard part. So, I mean, if, if Al Durham is giving you more on offense, you know, if Rob is being more consistently aggressive, then maybe you don't do that. But I kind of, I kind of understood why Archie kept playing Devontae, even with all the mistakes he was making. You know, because you had to have someone who was going to try and make shots. You know, the one guy who actually looked confident shooting and he only got one shot was Armand, who really did a nice job knocking down that three in the corner. Um, you know, and I'm not saying he hasn't exactly done enough to give you a lot of confidence that if he plays more, he's going to be able to make shots. Um, but, you know, they're just this was one of those games where there's not a lot of options for Archie, you know, from the guards. I mean, they just didn't just and didn't get Franklin it done, misses so. that. We're all over him for shooting too quick. Well, you know, we're we're happy with that shot because it went in, but I really think that was too that shot was too quick. But I did like his aggressiveness tonight. I thought he yeah. was ready to play. He was ready to play. Um, yeah, well, he could stay on his feet. He was. He was. Yeah, well, <laughs> everybody was slipping and falling. There was tonight. a lot of that. I, I, the one thing I would say to go back to race. I mean, you talked about him only playing twenty one minutes. He played sixteen in the second half. He only played five in the first half because he had two fouls. That is not true. That is not a cue to Jared to uh, to bring that back up. Well, I do think an interior player. Yeah, it's he's a little bit so valuable. To, you should sit it. Yeah. Anyway, such great um, logic. Uh, yes. And there we are. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, I mean, I just thought, I just thought the guards in general, um, it, it seemed like the team just back, like pretty was putting so much pressure on. It just seemed like they become, they became even less aggressive uh, and just kind of backed into a shell. Armand on the one drive where he at least got fouled. I mean, that stood out because nobody else was really trying to drive to the basket. Rob had some of that, in the second half, but during that stretch of the end of the first half, everything was on the perimeter. They settled for threes. Um, and that's how you end up with sure. Some of the threes for Devonte were late, but he ends up taking 14 threes in the game. I mean, 
and I, and I would agree with you guys, despite, despite that of you, you kind of got to have somebody out there who on a night where your offense is pretty lifeless um, can maybe give you a, a spark, but uh, you know, he, he just didn't have it. it. It just felt like they backed off. I, I, I felt like I was watching my third graders at, at times when other teams get really like physical and aggressive. Like we just kind of go into a shell and, and dribble side to side and don't even attempt to go to the basket. And I, I truly felt like that's what I was watching for long stretches of this game. Yeah. And then, no, you're absolutely the, right. The shooting percentage was also roughly the same as my third graders. So it was, well, you, you had Joey Brunk with a pull up 17 footer on the wing. That's just a, that's just a give up shot is what that is. It's just, uh, there was a slight run and all of a sudden, Justin Smith does a little shake and bake 17 foot jumper, um, and he had race open on a on a roll to the basket on that play too. So so again, out of mind, uh, not focusing in on what needs to be done. You win at Minnesota. You win at home against Penn State by throwing a ball inside, and, and you got you got guys like that that taking jumpers. Um, that you know, at least just drive through somebody at the rim if you get blocked. So what? Do do something. But um, you guys are absolutely right. It just the the, it, the brain dead. Offense was uh, was amazingly sad tonight. <laughs> it was, yes, it was. Uh, let's talk numbers real quick. I mean, look, obviously, you're not going to look at the box score and get past twenty five point four percent field goal shooting, twenty point eight percent from the three point line. I mean, you are just not going to win many games like that. And you know, you when you're watching a basketball game, you know, some days shots are going to go in. Sometimes shots aren't going to go in. You don't typically criticize guys for missing shots. I think this is one of those rare games where it's actually fair to criticize guys for missing shots because as we talked about earlier, it was rushing. It was taking bad shots. It was not being, you know, when you're a guard, you have to make open looks or at least a decent percentage of them. And it was a total systems failure when it came to shooting. And there were enough shots out there for this to be a better offensive performance as amazingly bad as it was. So, I mean, you know, Indiana had 16 offensive rebounds and four blocks and seven steals. Like, there's some good things that pop out at you and, you know, some other bad stuff. But, man, those shooting percentages, I mean, you're just not going to win games on the road when you shoot that badly. You know, like, you got to make some shots. And we, Indiana just did not have the mental toughness and ability to do it tonight. I think we one of the stats was... You know, three-point shots that didn't even draw rim. I think we had four. Oh, jeez. Or at least that, three. That actually feels we had low, three. to be we honest. We had a three-point shot on an out-of-bounds play wide open. Hit the open. top of the backboard. Hit the top of the backboard. Hit the top of the backboard in college basketball. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I can't explain it. But, yeah. So, yeah, those numbers. Whoo. I mean. Yeah. We, we had a 15-footer bank high off the glass and miss the rim from a guard. I mean, you can't draw that stuff up. And you lose by eight or nine or whatever it was on the road by playing good defense. And it ended up being – I'll throw that out. Point nine five was the defense because we had to foul at the end, and, and it went from point eight nine. Uh, and, and so, you know, that's, again, where all the metrics are kind of messed up too because if you try to win and foul, then your points per possession go up and your net goes down and all that kind of stuff. Purdue's net will be th three – tomorrow because they won and, and IU's will be 87 uh, because Ken Palm's in love with Purdue. What a bunch of Purdue manure that is. 
Sorry, I went negative. I told myself I was no. going to stay positive. Archie, we, need... we cannot handle more losses to Purdue. Like, literally. Look, look we're what all, it's doing to We're you. all losing our minds. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the only other stats, uh, obviously, you're not going to have a, a high assist total and you can't make shots, but six assists and 13 turnovers for IU. Uh, I, I do think some of that speaks to... It's pretty poor ball movement. Again, we're getting a lot of assists in some of these other games by really, really punching the ball inside. Totally got away from that. So you end up with six assists over the course of the game. Um, just a lot of just ugly, ugly numbers. Gave up 34 points in the paint um, for, you know, another game. Really, really held the opponent from a three-point shooting perspective. Purdue was two out of 17, but 34 points in the paint, either through post-ups from slipping ball screens, Straight line drives to the basket. Uh, I mean, all that stuff was there. IU ends up with 20 points in the paint. But like I said, a lot of those came early and a lot of them came late. There was a a, a long stretch in the middle of the game where IU was not getting their points uh, that way. And even with all those offensive rebounds, uh, got outscored on second chance points uh, somehow, which uh, is, is tough to do when you have 16 offensive rebounds and you get uh, outscored there. But here, here I'm going to piggyback on Andy's incredibly awesome comment right there about points in the paint. When you have to guard the three-point line, and Indiana was uh, held Purdue to 2 of 17 for 11.8% shooting from three, if you would have told me that before the game, I would have said, we beat Purdue. Because that's what you got to do to Purdue at Mackey. It's not what Iowa did. Iowa gave up 104 points, and Indiana only gave up 57. That's just that's just makes me sick to my stomach that th- that the defensive game plan was to take away the three and, and you did it and you held Purdue to 57 points and hit the top of the backboard on a wide open three and, and miss my goodness. It, this, this was ripe for a big, big win to just put us in the tourney for sure. It was there. And it was there. And, and so you got to give credit to the program, if you don't like Archie, it was the players who play defense. If you love Archie, it was a great game plan. You make that decision. But the, the defense, for the most part, was there. And then here's the other stat is Williams gets 17 shots. When you're guarding the three, you have to give something up. And unfortunate credit to the coaching staff down at Purdue. They ran stuff, uh, pick and roll. They got to post coming out of timeouts, and they were the game was getting tight. They went into Williams, and, and they executed and people might say, well, how does Williams get 17 and Trace Jackson Davis only gets seven? Well, we're out guarding on the three-point line, and there are five guys around Trace Jackson Davis, so it's hard to get in. And when he gets it, he's doubled. Uh, that's why the team needs balance and needs five yeah. threats or at least some post players to be very efficient. Yeah, that's, that is well said, Coach. I mean, it the further we get removed from the game, you kind of look back on it. It's like a win was there to be had. Like with, with a bad offensive performance, we win this game. The defense was good enough to do that, which is how Archie wants to win some of these games. And, you know, the offense was just worse than bad. And that, you know, you just had that horrible stretch in there. But, man, I'm gonna tell you guys makes too, it more frustrating. To, and the chat mob and everyone listening, that's ultimately what you want in a program. Because 
defense should be a consistent. It's heart and mind. And if you can bring defensive effort and execute defensive game plans against an excellent shooting team on the road, that eventually is a program that you will be happy with. Uh, the offense will come and go. And you really want to be a fan of a program that can, in bad nights, still be in games when when things aren't going right on the other end. And that's been the problem on the road. When the offense hasn't been there on the road, we quit and give up 20, 25-point losses or you know, 15-point runs and all that kind of stuff. Tonight, th- there's some stuff there to, to dig into um, yeah. and, and be positive. And then as as players come in that can shoot and drive and pass and do those things offensively, um, that that's that's at least what I'm going to go to bed tonight dreaming of, I guess. Yep. Three-point shots that actually hit the net <laughs> at the top of the backboard. Oh, that's a good note to end on for this segment. I can, Coming shoot, up- better. I can shoot better <laughs> in that offensive play. Coming up on the assembly call, we're going to hand out our game ball, hit any other lingering storylines from this game, and then we'll look ahead to Indiana's game this weekend against Illinois. Then it'll be time for last call. That's next on the assembly call. Stick with us. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. There's a guy who didn't hit the top of the backboard on his three-point shots. Nick Zeisloff. You are listening to The Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. While you are there, make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 7,000 of your fellow IU fans have subscribed. You can also text IU to 66866 to subscribe to the newsletter that's IU to 66866. All right, guys. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach Brian Tonsona. We are breaking down Indiana's eight-point loss to Purdue tonight. Before we get to the game balls, you know, Andy, I want to piggyback on something coach said there because, look, we are all just dejected about losing to Purdue. And, you know, even a one-point loss in a really, like, well-played game, you know, this is Purdue. Like, we have to stop losing to them. So, you know, there's no amount of sugarcoating it that's going to make any of us feel better about that because we're sick of it. But, you know, I will say the more that we've talked about this game as we've gone through the show, when I remove myself from, you know, who the opponent was and just kind of how we played and what can we take from this moving forward, I I, I feel a little better about it, I have to say, because the defense was better because the team showed some fight and resolve and some stick to to, like... You know, to make this a game at the end, which I don't think is a small thing given how this team has played on the road, you know, and like we can't expect miracles. We can't expect this team to just get massively better, you know, late in February, but we can expect some growth and some improvement. And I do think tonight represented that. And, you know, I know a lot of this has been negative. And, and again, you're not going to get past that when you lose to Purdue, but I do feel like that is maybe I think it's and we started the show talking about it but I do think it's an important point to underscore that if they and if they can take that to Illinois if they can take that to the Big Ten tournament to some neutral court games where they don't just let everything collapse when they start to struggle then you know with again they're not they're not going to have another offensive performance this bad so this might be the kind of game they can win that you know three four weeks ago might have been a 20 point loss and in that I do think there's a little bit of solace that is reasonable to take I think that's fair. I mean, you look at some of the stats. That's what the amazing thing is. You talk, I mean, every stat is terrible, basically. 
Um, you know, you shoot, like you said, 25% from the floor, five of 24 from three. And and you were, it was a two possession game at, at one point within the last couple of minutes, so, somehow. Um, and, and to your point, those are games that this team would, when it got to be 16 in earlier games this season, it would have been 26, not long, uh, not long thereafter. So I, I do think that speaks to some growth over the course of the uh over the course of the season i think it just becomes we talked about this on on one of the shows last week where there just hasn't been a lot of middle ground um i i guess uh in, in terms of how this team has played it seems like everything's either been great or everything's been terrible um this game was was more terrible than great for sure but it was at least maybe closer to that middle of the road mark but that's you know, the pendulum swings back so far the other way where it's, oh, everybody's got things figured out. Look how well they played at Minnesota. They beat Penn State, and now it's everything is terrible again. The, the truth is somewhere in the middle. Um, and so I, I do think if you compare it to some of the other road games, unfortunately, those, those kinds of of just give up performances became a measuring stick for this team. So doing So not giving up doesn't feel great to say, hey, well, great job improving. You didn't just give up in this game, but the reality of this team is that that's where they are. So um, definitely curious to see how they'll bounce back against uh, Illinois, who's had, they've already played, I think they played Sunday or Monday. They played again tonight, and then they play uh, IU on Sunday. So be interesting to see how they do on that turnaround. Looks like they're about to beat Northwestern. Yeah. And they just did um, as they go through now. So be interesting to see how they respond. If they can have another, I, I, I cannot call this a decent road performance, but um, no. you know, or in, or in a road game late uh, it's, it's, against a, a difficult opponent. That, it's one of those that, things. It's, it's frankly unconscionable that three years into Archie's tenure, we're having a conversation like this where we're kind of praising them for not giving in. So like, there's that in the macro sense that we shouldn't be there. And yet I really feel like it's our job on this show to try and meet the team where it's at on a game by game basis. And in that sense, there's a little bit that you can be encouraged by for this team and what it might mean for the rest of the season. I I realize that requires some cognitive dissonance to maybe like, you know, hold in your head at the same time, but you know, this is Indiana basketball, so <laughs> things I'll, have been I'll confusing re- for a while. All coaches all coaching changes take on different forms. And too many times we compare to this coach, that coach, this coach, and in Indiana a change from Crean to Miller has has some issues that are really there. Um and so if there's the perfect thing with the coaching change, you would think by year three some of this would be worked out, and maybe it should have been. Uh, open that's open up for for debate. But every situation has its unique nuances, and we're fighting through some of that. Uh, and yet, I think uh, the the progress is there, in my opinion. Just very, very, it's not as big as we all want it to be, and and, and that's why I've said patience over and over again until I'm sick sick of that word myself. But um, yeah, there there it, it's. It is. We are who we expected. We, we what, what the the football coach Dennis Green said. Uh, they are who they, we expected them to be. Yeah. Totally missed that quote. Um. All right. Game balls. I mean, it, it's race, isn't it? Is there an argument for anybody besides race? I I can't. No, how can you give a I, game ball when you lose to Purdue, though? I mean, I agree, yeah, but just for I think the, the argument is whether it. you give one or not. If you're going to give one, I don't think there's another. We did that once for the Wisconsin game, and that's this fine. was not I mean, that bad. I know, I mean, it so was we cannot bad. give one. But I actually feel like race, like I, I felt like he played. Okay, here's the problem. You know what the problem with this is? Race was the best player on the court, but he's a role player. Like 
you know, you can't race can't be your best player and win a lot of games. He's a he's a guy who supports the best players and makes them better. When he's your best player, you're not going to win many games. Tonight he was the best player. I feel like he deserves a game ball. I mean, he brought it, but just yeah. no one else he might, did. He might yeah. he six might points. be our best player the way he's playing. Well, yeah. six points, yeah. eight rebounds. All right, let's give him the, let's give him the game ball. Yeah. Six eight points, rebounds. eight rebounds, two blocks, two steals. Two for two from the free throw line. And plus, Ryan's not here to do it. So now we can all claim race because, you know, Ryan wasn't here for we his game. Claim ball. him by default today when no one else was, was worthy of anything. So, yeah. <laughs> However um, you want to look at it. <laughs> Let's uh. So one guy that we haven't talked a ton about yet is Justin Smith, and I feel like he warrants some discussion because you know he got a lot of praise for the way that he played at the end of the Penn State game. Rightfully so, he made a ton of winning plays down the stretch after you know really not doing a whole lot for thirty minutes. Um, you know, and tonight, uh, you know, coming off of that game, we didn't, you know, to me, we didn't really see a continuation of some of the things that we saw down the you know the final stretch against Penn State. He played the most minutes for anybody, uh, thirty two. Only was able to get four rebounds. Was two for eight. You know, did make you know some his free throws. Was four for four from the free throw line. But I thought, you know, really like that the one long two that you guys talked about when it felt like we had a little bit of a run going and he jacked that shot. Like some of the decision making. And again, he he was trying to make you know in his defense, nothing's going well offensively. He's trying to make plays, so I'm not going to kill him for that. But you know, you just if you're going to go beat Purdue on the road, your junior class has to give you more than ten points you know, and four turnovers and two of 10 from the field and, and, you know, combining with, with Al Durham. And so Justin was a little bit more productive, um, but Indiana's Indiana needs more from him. So it's just, you know, not a, not his worst performance of the year, but certainly not a winning performance in a game like this. Yeah. Just, just I've actually thought at the beginning of the game, he was active going for some loose balls and active defensively it just felt like that waned pretty quickly. And then for a long for a long stretch, it was another possession. He took a three, uh, ended up, uh, you got an offensive rebound, and then he goes in the post and tries to take a shot. Like, he's just not effective at scoring on on post-ups. I mean, if you looked at the synergy numbers of that, you'd probably want to, you know, throw bleach in your eyes in the same way that you want to do that when you look at the box score from tonight's game. Like, he's just not effective there. So, like, to take essentially two bad shots on one possession in that uh, in that scenario was poor. The, the Yeah, that long jumper was... Um, like I said, race was open rolling to the basket and you just settle for a, you know, kind of fading uh, jumper at that point. And then he had set out for a while and then he came back in and immediately gave up a basket on a back door where he just was kind of lazy going after the ball and, um, you know, didn't get a hand on it. Purdue gets an easy basket again when they had some momentum. I just thought he was a momentum stopper um, tonight as opposed to a momentum continuer. Uh, honorable mention game ball to Bruiser Flint for going at Archie. For something on the bench, not quite sure what it was, but they uh, they got into it a little bit, which in and of itself I don't really think is that big of a deal. Like the 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 cameras happen to catch it. You're losing to Purdue, you know. Two coaches are going to talk. Um, did you did you have a problem with that coach? I mean, we don't know what obviously what it was about, but I in and of itself it didn't seem like anything obviously I negative just, to me. My, my son texted me a while back and asked me if I thought it was a big deal, and I, I just caught a little bit on a, a replay here. I didn't have the sound up. Absolutely not. I mean, I get my butt chewed daily at practice. And when you're tight with the coach and you're working for a coach that you love, if you're not getting it, you're not working hard enough. I mean, that's just, you know, I've been told to shut up. I've been told that's enough. I've been told to get my head in the game. Um, 
I called for a double team the other night at the on the best player, and we were only doubling at the post, not the three-point line, and gave up a basket, and I got ripped. I mean, that stuff happens, just like players make mistakes. You just, you know, if the coach isn't yelling at you, then he doesn't care about you. That's that's the way I've been brought up as a player and as a coach. And and when you're a family, you get you have a little disagreements, and and in basketball, it's going to be a little bit loud. And uh, yeah, no, that's I like that stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't like being yelled at. I wish I never made a mistake, but this dude makes <laughs> mistakes too, so I deserve it every once in a while. That's just coaching; it happens all the time. One one other guy that I did want to talk about before we get out of here um, is Rob, and and we've talked about him some before, but. You know, and certainly we talked about his struggles in the first half. He doesn't play there at the end. You know, Andy, we saw for like a brief stretch in the second half the guy that we were hoping we were going to see all year long, where he you know drives to the basket, you know, and is you know makes a layup. Had another drive to the basket, and he had that little reverse layup. Had a little you know pull up three pointer that was you know dare I say Yogi esque that he made. And it's like when he gets out of his head. And he, you know, sees an open lane to drive and he just goes for it. Or when he's, you know, just shoots it in rhythm, he can really be a good dynamic offensive player. But for most of the game, it feels like he's overthinking everything. You know, and there, there was another opportunity. I think Devonte like shot faked and then, you know, pass it over to Rob. And it looked like he had the opportunity to shoot it. But then he, you know, he head faked it and then, you know, just hit it off the front of the rim because he just started overthinking it. And, you know, so... Again, for most of the night, we kind of saw the tentative Rob and that brief flash. And if he can somehow bottle that and do that for more of the game, that's the guy we need him to be. But for most of the night, it was too much East-West, too much, you know, like you can almost see he's trying to do like the start-stop and play with some, you know, some change of pace, but he never actually gets going, you know? And so it was great to see that brief flash, but to a certain extent almost made me more frustrated. Like, man, where is that for greater stretches of the game? I mean, it just, it, and I guess what I mean by that is it really just seems mental with him right now, you know, because you see him physically make the plays and then for so much of the other game, it just feels like he's too far in his head to do it. Yeah. He, he does seem like a guy to me, a couple things that you hit on stood out. One was, you know, those couple drives to the basket was, it was one of the only times that anybody from the perimeter drove with the notion that I don't care what's going to happen. I'm going to, I'm going to get to the rim. And we talked before about IU just physically got manhandled and, and really became tentative. Like they could be effective in those scenarios when they actually tried to attack the basket. We talked about Armand. He go, he tries to go to the basket, gets fouled one of the times, turned it over another time. But, um, but yeah, I thought I thought Rob, you know, did that. And I thought early in the second half, he he always feels like a guy to me that he has a good sense for when this team really is, is dying for somebody to step up and make a big shot. And he's willing to take those in a lot of cases. He took a couple shots, I think early in the second half. Uh, I know of at least one that I can think of. Um, no, he missed a three on the first possession. He missed another jumper a couple possessions later and they turned the ball over a couple after that. I, I felt like he was trying to be aggressive because he seems to kind of know when things are unraveling a little bit and he's trying to be the guy that writes the ship. Um, that was not effective in that scenario, but I, I, you know, you like to see that from your, your point guard in, in some ways, but yeah, I, I do think it's, it's mental. Cause I, the, the, the one that you're talking about where Devonte gives him the ball, he ends up shot fake and taking a dribble to his left, I believe. And then shooting as opposed to just shooting it initially when he, uh, when he got the ball. So it, it definitely feels that way from, from the outside looking in that it, it, it seems more mental than anything. Um, but, it, but you look at the turnover numbers, he had one turnover, um, 
in, in the game when Alan Devante were the other primary ball handlers when he wasn't, and they had seven uh, between the two of them. I mean, it, it underscores how important he is to be on the floor. And like I said, he was really the only guy that felt kind of in control, even when he wasn't being as aggressive as he was at times in the second half. He at least was not getting sped up in the same way that other guys were. Yeah. I think um, he has to be better. He, he, he has been disappointing this year, regardless of the reasons, the injury, the lack of practice, whatever. Uh, but we all expected more uh, of Rob. I still think Rob's our best guard and, and really the only guard who can run an offense and get Indiana into what they want and much is needed of him. But he has not performed to that level. Uh, he's just way too tentative, and, and I think everything that has been said is correct. He's thinking too much. He's trying to do the right thing instead of just playing. And when he loosened up and drove the lane and and is looking for shots, then that's going to open stuff up. And whether it's he's afraid to get hurt again after a couple, you know, the concussion last year and this or whatever, he's got to put that beside him. But he's got to be better because he's really our only option uh, at, at this point and for this year. And so uh, you, you can't excuse his play. And as far as Andy, the turnover thing too is I'd be interested to go back and see when he's had three or four turnovers. Sometimes I think he's actually played better because he's going at a better pace or a better clip. You never want turnovers, but sometimes it, you, can, you can prevent turnovers as a player by not playing aggressively and not taking appropriate chances. So there's a fine line between between that. If, if you really have, you know, Magic Johnson, I think at one point when he was a career uh, all-time Big Ten assist, but he also, or all Big Ten, but all NBA is with assists, but he also had a lot of turnovers because he was pushing the pace, pushing the pace, pushing the pace. Uh, and, and I'm not even equating Rob to that. I'm just saying that the point guard position, I'd rather, if someone's going to have turnovers, I'd rather be Rob than it would be the other guard's uh, because he would be handling the ball more. But uh, it's time for him to start playing the way he can play, uh, and maybe some recruiting news will put a little fire under him too um, to, to play better. But uh, we, we've been awfully patient with Rob uh, on this show and in, in the chat mob. I think, we, uh, I think he's, got to, uh, he's got to be better uh, for Indiana to make any waves the rest of the year. Well, that's a good segue to the Illinois game because that was perhaps his best game overall last year. He was awesome in the game at Illinois last year, uh, which Indiana absolutely dominated. Now, this is a much different Illinois team this year, Andy. You want to give us a quick preview of that game on Sunday? I think we all know the stakes. You know, if Indiana can get to a 19th win, get another road win, now you're, I mean, you're, you're probably writing them into a bracket and pen. You're just trying to figure out what the seed is, uh, if they can get a win like that. So, especially a quality win over a team like Illinois. But, you know, road wins are not to be taken lightly. So what is Indiana going to have to do against this solid Illinois team? Yeah, when you when you look, like I said, they've played, it'll be their third game over a, a seven-day time period. So maybe that helps a, a little bit, although their first two games were against Nebraska and Northwestern. So I guess if there's a, a week to play three games in seven days, those would be good uh, two teams to play against. I mean, really, when you look at the, the conference-only uh, efficiency numbers, there's a lot of ugly numbers really for both teams other than the fact that Illinois is second in defensive efficiency uh, overall. Uh, they don't force turnovers at the rate that they had before, and, and Underwood has really changed the way that they play uh, defensively where you know they're really getting overextended last year, and that was one of the things that IU excelled with in that game was they were able to you know, get by the initial uh, you know, ball pressure and, and create a lot of easy shots for themselves uh, after the fact. So if they do a, a, you know, their first in – 
defensive rebounding percentage. They're second in effective field goal defense in in league play. This is, uh, and they're third in in defensive free throw rate. So, uh, they do a, a lot of things well uh, defensively, which on the heels of a, a game that saw you play the way that it did tonight on offense probably doesn't make anybody feel uh, dramatically better. And then uh, offensively, they often they they're really strong in the offensive glass, um, but they've not shot it well. They're actually last in two point and three point shooting in uh, in league play, which probably is surprising to some given the uh, you know the some of the offensive weapons they have with Desunmu uh you know leading the charge there Trent Frazier is a guy who can get hot um Georgie has not been what people thought he would be uh as a sophomore and then uh Kofi Coburn has had uh, a good moments as a as a big guy inside so uh you know a lot of challenges just in terms of personnel and uh how I use able to to defend but I use got a string of uh of some good defensive performances so uh, if they can do that, they're going to have to find ways to to knock down shots to to open up the floor a little bit. Um, there's just no no two ways about it. Uh, Got to get back to getting the ball inside uh, as they did before. See if you can get Coburn into some foul trouble, which is a uh, a possibility with him, and uh, see what you can do that way. But somebody's got to be able to contain uh, Desunmu with the ball. Uh, that probably falls on on Rob in large part. So, be interesting to see how he's able to do uh, in that, given the importance of of him that we just talked about. I've been able to see Illinois play twice, uh, covering for Delphi Bracketology. He was over there, uh, again, there in Nebraska. I'll also be there Sunday uh, on press row, or my press row is way up at the top. But um, the, the sumo guard, who's going to guard him, as Andy said right there at the end, is going to be vital to see that. I also will watch this. This might be a game where we could see a resurgence in Joey Brunk, and I know everyone's a little down on him right now, but the physicality for – Coburn and Coburn being big is a challenge, but I've seen a lot of post uh, players be able to spin on him, go under his arm, shot fake, get him up in the air. And those are some of the moves that Joey does well. And so, you know, sometimes they leave one-on-one coverage because he's so big and quick spins and up and unders, uh, those types of post moves for, for Trace and for Joey and Duran in there. Those are some of the things I think those our post players do well, and it'll be interesting to see if they double uh, after seeing what happened with Purdue. Are they just going to leave uh, Coburn one-on-one with our post players? So that is going to be an interesting uh, matchup, at least from what I've seen in a couple games uh, that I've seen live and, and also on, on TV. I think those two things are going to be key, and then you can't let Frazier when, – when they win, Frazier goes off, uh, and you got to keep him in check from the three-point line. The uh, Ken Palm ratings have updated. It has been a long and winding road to get here, but we finally have kind of the profile that I think we expected more at the beginning of the season. There's been a team where the offense has been outpacing the defense for a lot of it. The offense now 63rd in the country in adjusted offensive efficiency. It has taken quite a dip uh, over the last few games. Uh, the defense now 31st. So there was lots of talk at the beginning of the year. Could this be a top 20 defense? It's trending in that direction. I don't know if it'll actually get there, uh, but this is a little bit more like what we thought we'd see. It just hasn't. The numbers haven't matched that, uh, you know, for all the season. But I just thought that was kind per, of interesting. Purdue up to seven in in Ken Palm now. After they Batman. are <laughs> 20, 26. They're twenty six. I, I I'm sorry. I'm so tired of losing to Purdue. I'm so tired of eight and ten record. But I'm so tired of everyone thinking Purdue's got a great resume and that the If I hear one more time, the computers love Purdue. They got fourteen losses. They're they got eleven quad one losses. They don't have a good resume. They've just they haven't won enough. Purdue is officially the best win, team in the country that doesn't win. <laughs> yes, exactly. 
Except against IU on the greatest line. Yeah, yeah. Well, they did. They did beat Indiana twice. Those bastards. So maybe I should shut up. No, maybe we should just beat them. They've lost fourteen times. Why couldn't we be one of the teams that beat them? One of these fourteen times. Archie beat Purdue. Like seriously, it's time. And you know he doesn't need us telling him that. I'm sure he feels the same way. But seriously, let's let's end this nonsense. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Remember that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 20% off your entire order at homefieldapparel.com with the promo code ASSEMBLY20. So if you want a great deal on the most comfortable and unique IU apparel that you'll find anywhere, go to homefieldapparel.com, use the promo code ASSEMBLY20 for 20% off your entire order. All right, guys, it is time for last call. Andy, your final thoughts on yet another Indiana loss to Purdue. Um, I, I don't know. There's we've, we've covered uh, this game, I think as, as well as it can possibly be covered from an IE perspective at this point, I, I do think the, the, the pendulum, no humility there for me. Well, <laughs> no, I just mean like, what else are you going to say about it? I guess is maybe a better way to say, uh, maybe a better way to say that, but, uh, yeah, I, I just think it, it becomes so easy for everybody to, to react strongly to this team because every performance is, is such an extreme. It feels like that, you know, one game, everything looks great. The next game, it's the arguably the worst shooting performance I used had. I actually, John Gasway said I use worst shooting from the field in over six years. So um, we can all witness some level of history tonight, apparently. But so you get into those scenarios and it just makes it hard to really get any kind of read on what this team is and what they're going to do the next time out. So um, it, it kind of makes you want to take the, positive approach that the coaches attempted to do and say, Hey, the defense has been solid over the last few games. That's something that, that potentially this team can hang its hat on as it goes forward. And then you just hope that they can figure some things out offensively in terms of getting the ball back inside um, and, and being more adamant about doing that, settling for fewer three pointers, trying to drive and at least draw some fouls uh, j- just to do something. I just thought there were too many give up shots where it was instead of making Purdue work defensively, they just settled and took the the first open three that they could get and hope that it went in. And, and far too often uh, they did not. And far too often they didn't come close at all. And so uh, it really just comes down to, to what they can do. If they can bounce back and find a way to win at Illinois, that's a huge win from a tournament perspective. And if you can't really puts a lot of pressure on those couple home games that do seem winnable, although Wisconsin strolled into Michigan tonight and won. Um, so, you know, you just never really know how this team's going to react to situations like that. So you hope that you don't get there. Um, but I think most people, if you looked at this two game road trip, the the most likely outcome, given what we've seen from this team is to go. zero and two, and we can not be happy about that and not be happy with the way they played tonight, but you'd be hard pressed to look at that stretch and say, yeah, these are games that IU uh, is going to win. So if they can split, find a way to win one of them. Uh, I think that's great. Um, these are games I look back at when I, you know, kind of picked the record at the beginning of the season. These are not games that I thought IU would win at the beginning of the season. They're not games that I think IU is going to win now. Uh, and, and then you just kind of put your eggs in the basket of those home games at the end, it feels like. So I'm uh, going into the Illinois game with low expectations, as should anyone after watching this offensive display, and uh, hope to be pleasantly surprised. Okay. Your moment of optimism from Andy Bottoms. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, so... Uh, coach, last call. Uh, we are who we are. We're an inconsistent team who plays inconsistent, but we play inconsistently a little better now. 
uh, which makes no sense. But that's just what I that's just what I had to say. I mean, tonight was bad, but better. I, that makes no sense. Uh, but you know, out of the last, you take the Michigan game out uh, after you know when we were all together in the Purdue performance and everyone's heads was down and we thought the season was going uh, to a place uh, that we didn't really want it to go. Um, four of those five games have been competitive and three were wins. We didn't think we'd win on the road at Minnesota and we pulled that one out. Then you have a top 10 Penn state team and you give up a a 19 point lead and get down six and didn't think we're going to win at that point. Uh, So winning three out of the five and losing at Michigan and losing at Purdue is not a bad run of, of games. And, and again, it was a three point a three possession game, with two minutes to go when you played absolutely crappy offense. Uh, again, you, you don't want moral victories in this game. You either win or you lose. And, and you know, lost because they played bad offensively. But, again, you don't – you go to practice tomorrow or the next day and you get better and you try to try to win the next game. And that's what you do as a player and that's what you do. And you hope the inconsistent play – we, we we fall into one maybe at uh, Illinois or against Wisconsin at home or something like that. And that's just where, where we're at. We are who we are. And, and we saw it a little bit tonight. It doesn't excuse it. It needs to get better. Uh, but on to Illinois and, and get a road win there and, and, and see where we're at. Yeah. Good perspective, Coach. And, and Andy, you know, what you said is all very true. Yeah, the disappointing part about tonight, aside from the obvious, you know, is – I think for any of us who may have thought, okay, you know, one at Minnesota, we beat Penn State, like maybe this team is really ready to make like a big leap down the stretch. You know, it's funny listening to Crimson Cast and, you know, listening to Scott get all excited trying to talk about scenarios where Indiana like wins out and no one goes from total apathy to talking about winning out like Scott Caulfield. It's truly, it's truly a breathtaking skill that he has. And I appreciate him for that. And we love Scott, you know, but that what's disappointing about tonight is, you know, that kind of maybe quantum leap for this team that maybe you kind of hope and expect that's that's off the table you know we went to purdue and we lost kind of how we were supposed to lose and that's really disappointing but you know to your point coach like everything else is kind of honestly that's kind of where this team should be based on what we saw through the first 27 games you know and and and, and you know if you want if you choose to view it you know, outside of black and white terms, and if you try to kind of color in some of the shades of gray, you can walk away from this seeing some positives to take into some games down the stretch, if you want to. And if you don't, and you just want to focus on losing to Purdue, more power to you. I, you know, we try to color in the shades of gray on this show. I think you've heard enough that, for the most part, I'm going to go to bed tonight just pissed that we lost to Purdue, you know. But, you know, it's if you're trying to just kind of meet this team where it's at and figure out maybe what it means, you know, moving forward, if some of this defense that we've seen can continue and if it's real, you know, that's going to put this team in position to win some games down the stretch, you know, and the guard play may never be consistent enough. The shooting may never be consistent enough to, you know, string together three, four, five wins. But if Indiana can keep winning two out of three, you know, they're going to finish with a season that I think we're all going to ultimately look back on and say is successful. It's not obviously where we want Indiana basketball to be, but it'll be a step in the right direction. And if we string enough steps in the right direction together, we'll eventually get to where we want to be. So 
I don't think tonight was a necessarily a step in the right direction because we went and lost to our rival and that sucks. But what I'm hoping for is that in hindsight, maybe at the end of the regular season, we look at this and it's like, yeah, we lost to Purdue. That offense was terrible. But, you know, you kind of saw the defense continuing to improve. And so hopefully that's what we see. Uh, that's the the last little bit of solace I think that you can take from a night like tonight. But ultimately, Archie Miller and Indiana have to start beating Purdue. It didn't happen tonight, and that's the bottom line. And hopefully this team can regroup, go out on Sunday, and uh, try and get a win against Illinois because that would obviously be very good for the NCAA tournament resume. All right, that is going to do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to our longtime listener, Bob Thompson, who produces a lot of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you on Sunday after IU Illinois. Until then. Take it from me, Christian Wofford. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Can your mom bring some tiramisu? Tiramisu would taste nice after a loss. Oh, man. Here's another thing. And I I know we got some people in the chat mob who just are hating on IU, and that's okay. Uh, Guys, we appreciate you still being in the chat mob, even with your commentary. Um, How many teams make the – make the tournament um, with inconsistent play from juniors and seniors when your juniors and seniors are supposed to be your better players. You know, a lot of teams get to tournament when their freshmen and sophomores are supposed to be better players. We have a special freshman, yes, but it's just inconsistent play. Uh, and, again, it's just tough. Um, it's tough to win consistently and in tough environments when when you get, you get that kind of effort. Um, so – Boy, we got some we got some late anger in the chat. <laughs> we got some people coming in here late that are really, uh, really, really, really bringing the heat, man. Oh boy, I go to bed. <laughs> Get some Show's rest. over. Jeez, <laughs> was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? God, <laughs> hell no. <laughs> Who's with me? My goodness. Okay. Um. Oh, Rachel asked. Him. Yeah, uh, you know, I know a lot of people are saying like, oh, why don't you just do like the whole do the whole second segment on Christian Lander. Like, look, I'm really excited about Christian Lander next Thursday. When we actually do a full assembly call radio, Ryan will be here. We're going to do our Christian Lander scouting report. I am ecstatic that that young man is coming to Bloomington. I think he's going to be fantastic, but this is game night and we are focused on this team right now. And you know, Christian Lander wasn't here to help us beat Purdue. So that wasn't really a topic of conversation for tonight, but we will have a lot of conversation about it later you know, on Assembly Call Radio when we're not doing a post-game show, obviously in the off-season. But, you know, we have one job on nights like tonight, and that's to talk about this game. And, you know. All right. So so let me share some other <laughs> fake wisdom or whatever I give you guys. So, so You give us good wisdom, Coach. Our Western team beats a ranked number five team in the state. We score 64 points. We shoot 31 of 32 from the free throw line. Damn. Our best, pl- our best player is 16 of 16 in the fourth quarter. Right, we upset the number five team in the state. Man, that's some Greg Graham stuff right there. We come out Tuesday against a one A team or a three A team, a one A team, solid one A team, not not great, um, but a team we're probably fifteen points better than, and we win in overtime. 
We only score 41 in regulation. We couldn't hit the ocean from the beach. We shot 20 of 33 from the free throw line. It wasn't the coach's fault. It wasn't the player's fault. We had a bad night. I mean, if we had a post-game show, maybe Carrots would be saying that Western was crap for going into overtime <laughs> at 41. I mean, K- Carrots is the name of a chatter. For those of you listening and wondering why Coach just talked about Carrots. I don't like Carrots <laughs> and food. I'm just thinking of that right now. I'm not very happy. It's it's actually it's filthy carrot twenty two. That's yeah. That's so <laughs> so uh, um, filthy carrot twenty two. You know, filthy I mean, carrot twenty one was sometimes taken, teams, so you had to sometimes teams fluctuate, and when you are a, a shooting team that's hot and cold, you're going to have good shooting nights and you're going to have bad shooting nights. And and what what carries people and what I'm trying to get across to you is. Our guys are tough, and our guys play defense. And, and and if Indiana is starting to move that direction, that's a positive, and I'll always point that out uh, because uh, I'm going to be a fan regardless. So, sorry, Carrots. I mean, that's the thing. I, I've really – I kind of don't have time for fans anymore that want to view everything in black and white. I just don't because – Game by game, like, too. Yes, like, yeah, you have to win – Obviously, it's win or lose. Like, that's what ultimately determines whether something is successful, but it's a long season. You know, and the truth is, like, Indiana won at Minnesota, but there were some things they didn't do well that night. And part of the reason they won is because Minnesota really didn't shoot that well. Like, they probably didn't play well enough to beat them by 12, but they did. You know, Penn State, they won a big game against a ranked team, but had a long stretch of play where they didn't play well. Like, you know, if you're not here to kind of, like, understand the nuance and the shades of gray, don't listen to this show and just look at the box scores. You know, for God's sakes, what are you doing? So I'm just I'm starting to lose patience with and I get that we want to win and I get that that's the bottom line but I'm just I'm losing patience with that kind of simplistic analysis and public discourse because it doesn't do anything to actually further the intelligent conversation of IU basketball. You know, like Amen. Well the re- the reality is that at this point we're what 28 games into the season. Like you know what this team is at this point. So yeah. to expect I, you know, we can argue where they should be on the trajectory of you know, what Archie's trying to build and, and whatever else. But at this point, you've seen this team 28 times. You've seen them be wildly inconsistent partic- and play incredibly poorly on the road. So to a certain extent, I don't know what you're expecting. So you can get upset at that that is the expectation. But there's a large enough sample size with this team to know that the range of outcomes is pretty wide on any given night of who's going to play well, how well the team is going to play in total, how well they're going to defend, you know, what they're going to do. That's just who this team is to coach's point. Like it's an inconsistent team. So I just struggle with, and and like I said, I think that the, the, there have been so few like middle of the road. Oh, you went on the road and played, played well enough, but you just came up short or you played somebody tough at home and came up short. Even the Maryland game from a margin standpoint was really low, but that was one that you kind of gave away. So yeah. every performance is, there's just no middle of the road performances. So it lends itself to this wide fluctuation in how you feel about every game because there, there just isn't that middle ground that one game they look great and the next game they look awful. And there's not going to be a game in a stretch of however many that are, that are really there. But, you know, kind of like I said at the end, I look back at predictions I made. I'm dead on the record at this point. I missed some games along the way, but they're exact. I mean, 18 and 10 is exactly where I expected them to be at this point. Just didn't take the exact road to get there, but it's not a good road team. They've not played well at Purdue in however long. Like I just struggled to, and that it sucks to say this, but I struggled to really believe that this team was going to go in there and win. 
Um, and they played well enough at the start and gave you some hope and then just disappeared for a while. And that's kind of why I said what I said about the Illinois game. I mean, this team has not played well enough on the road for anyone to feel remotely confident that they're going to go into Champaign and win. If they win, that's great. If, if not, go home, win your home games, get to the tournament, which everybody said at the beginning of the year would have been a reasonable accomplishment for this team, given who they lost, given the personnel and everything else. So you they control the ability to get to where everybody thought would be a reasonable season. Um, they've just, you know, swerved across three lanes of traffic and then swerved back the other way 15 different times over the course of the season. Yeah. You know, and look, we've got some great chatters that, you know, I think sometimes make some comments that I, I don't think are fair criticisms of things that we do. We can talk about this now because it's, you know, the the very end of the show. But like, you know, Roger says, oh, great. Three years down the road, we're happy we play hard. Seriously, that's not intelligent conversation either. And I mean, literally, that's not the point that we made. And I went to great lengths to say that. Like, what we said is, you know, if you want to squint and find a positive in this game based on what this team has done, you can view that. But in a macro sense, the program shouldn't be at a point three years into Archie's tenure where that's something that we're praising. It's just based on where this team was. And it still doesn't make, you know, the overall performance good. So, like, we have, again, we have to be able, you have to be able to sometimes hold conflicting opinions in your mind because it, there's a time for like micro conversations about this specific team. And then there's an off season for macro conversations about where the program is at. So I just, you know, it, it frustrates me a little bit when I think people mischaracterize things that we say that aren't actually the, the points that we're making, which I don't know, maybe, maybe we just didn't, maybe I didn't make that well enough. So I will take responsibility can, for that. But. but where this team was and how they performed in other similar situations Again, I, I guess I go back to like you can say that that's not a great measuring stick, but that's the measuring stick that's out there for this team. It shouldn't be. Yeah, it definitely but, should not be. But but that's what this team has like set that expectation of. We pack it in on the road, and that is unfortunate. But tonight they didn't do that. So is that some small sign of growth? Are we grasping at things? Maybe we are, but I don't think anybody's excusing the fact that that has somehow become the the barometer for what this team has done. Yeah. At least I don't think so. But I'm also just at a point where with with this, I don't know. It just doesn't. I got excited when they came back. I was, you know, thinking that somehow could they pull this out or whatever, and they and they lost. But like I don't know. There's just too many more things that are. More yeah, important Nick, than that to like go live and die with every loss of uh, particularly this team. Um, yeah, it, it just isn't that part <laughs> by isn't the way, worth it to me. By the way, Nick, Nick said maybe he was referencing Archie's post game comments more than yours. Maybe so. I am cranky, so no. <laughs> I should probably I, I need to I, get I, off I, and turn the microphone can mischaracterize off. That, people can mischaracterize <laughs> this all they want, but when you show up in the chat room and you say we lost this game because the coaching staff is totally incompetent. Uh, after winning two games and getting Christian Lander, you really show your ass. <laughs> you can mischaracterize that all you want, chat mobbers, but you show your ass when you say totally incompetent. You can say something is wrong, you didn't like his game plan, you didn't like his timeout, but you show your ass when you do that. That's just not right. And that comes from a coach. Uh, and that just comes from a coach because, you know, we're not perfect. We make mistakes. We don't sub right. We call zone offense. We call that. But I don't know one coach who ever purposely is incompetent enough that they don't want to win a basketball game. Sim simply simply put. Oh and, I just, and the bottom line, too, 
I'm sorry. I love a coach who doesn't necessarily throw his players under the bus at the collegiate level. They are going to say that you play hard. You are going to compliment people. And, my, and, and our head coach, when he's in the radio, every time we lose, he takes it on himself. We didn't have a game plan. You know what? We thought we had a ga- great game plan. But we take it on. We protect players. That's what coaches do. They protect players. They build a program. Now, I'm not saying Archie is the greatest person in the world. I didn't like his subs today. I didn't like the fact that he wasn't diving people on the post-double. I thought he was responsible for this loss just as much as the players were. But don't come and say totally incompetent when you're talking about coaches. That, that's ridiculous. Have a good night, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're out of here. I'm, I, gotta Man, go. I get that all the time at the high school level, and it just drives me nuts. Just drives me nuts. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> all right. That is, a, that is a good note to end on, Coach. Thank you. I don't see why we would end any other way. I so. think that is the only way to end. Hey, Chat Mob, we love you guys. Thank you for being here. You know, these... You know, we all have to be here for each other after these games because we get frustrated and sometimes we go at each other and we have different opinions on it. We just want this team to win. Even Filthy Carrots 22, you know, he or she just wants Indiana to win. You know, maybe handle it a little differently in the chat mob FC 22, but, you know, we know that you just want to win. So let's, we got to stick together. Let's stick together. We come here, we vent. I'd much rather everybody vent here than vent on Twitter. I will say that. So if you have to get something out, Get it in the chat mob rather than putting it out on Twitter, especially if it's about a player. So that's why we're here. Anyway, any final thoughts? <laughs> I got to stay up late and pull drops from this episode, Coach, because that was good. Is Coach still there? Or is he frozen? Hmm. Well, he did say he was. He did tell everyone good night. <laughs> he did. He's just very he's, stoic right I think now. He's gone. At the very least. No, I think he is too. Oh, so, uh, I think I he's know. gone. All right. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully, better things on Sunday. We'll we'll see. Well, I like I said, everything is still possibility to get the tournament is right there. So you know, yeah, it is. It is. Thanks, everybody. We love you guys, Roger. I'm sorry I called you out. I was, I'm just cranky, just cranky. I'm going to bed. Good night. Just auto bench yourself. I'm pretend that you have two fouls and just put yourself to bed. <sighs> God damn. All right. <laughs> All right. Good night, Andy. (laughs) (sighs) Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.